Welcome back to the Apartment Library. Today we're giving the Apartment Library treatment to Stoner by John Williams. Not that John Williams. And not that type of stoner. Oh, that's true. Actually, yeah, like the first time or when I was reading this book at work, a guy walked behind me and he smiled and I just knew right away what he was thinking. And it's kind of obvious. I don't blame him. But the cover of the book, which is this painting. Of a very stoic looking... Very serious man. Yeah, it does wearing not... Wearing, like, a nice suit, a three-piece suit. Yeah, I actually, I really like, I really like the painting. Yeah, well, you have it there, like, let's look at yeah. it. Yeah. It says in the back what it is. It's a painting of a, some important... Uh, the Thinker Portrait of Lewis N. Kenton. Yeah. 1900. Whoa. So, yeah, it's not the type of cover that inspire, or should inspire someone to think smoke and pot. No. But, alas. So, yeah, John Williams. Not that John Williams. He published this book in 65. He only published three books. He was a professor, an English professor, Mm -hmm. I believe. And his second and third, so Stoner and Augustus from 72, are known to be like his masterworks. Yeah, I've heard really good things about Augustus. I do want to read that, uh, as I'm sure you do. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I read the first one, Butcher's Crossing from 1960, which is a different take on a western you haven't read that have you no i haven't okay yeah it wasn't as good as stoner i would say just because right out of the gate stoner is amazing oh yes it's a masterpiece in our humble opinion that's right (laughs) yeah you got me this book for my birthday a few years ago yeah it was quite a few years ago actually we were living in our first place together and i i heard about it on reddit it was just a thread what's one of your favorite books or something along those lines and someone said stoner and they gave a little summary and they said that tom hanks likes it <laughs> that's funny because i always think about it in those terms i always think that i think it has the review written there on uh maybe in the it has a ton it. of praise like there's pages of it and like in the first page oh for sure yeah and well deserved too this oh, yeah. is not just marketing to like make you read it yeah it's, to it's... sell you a pulpy book this yeah. is, i think that tom hanks is, is the only one that i remember but like his review or his succinct pitch for the thing is it's just the story of a man's life. There's nothing like outrageously fantastic about it. It is very common, very regular life, but it's one of the most beautiful things you'll ever, you'll ever read. Mm-hmm. It's it goes along those lines, and it's so true. It really is. There's something about it. Like we've said this before. I don't know how many times. Like there's this je ne sais quoi to the book, right? To the whole. Yeah. I, I do think that it's rhythm and there is something so masterfully done with that prose that just keeps you hooked on a subject in a in a story that is fairly, again, common. Yeah, story-wise, like we, we've talked about it before, not a whole lot of exciting things happen. There's not action, adventure, mystery, none of that. It's just this man's life from... A teenager, young adult, up until his death. I think it's from his birth. Um, maybe it probably mentions like Stoner was born on whatever, but yeah. but this like you you only start the story once he's um a teenager, I believe, like a eighteen, nineteen, around that age, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, the story is if if someone asked you to sit here and summarize the plot, they would probably think it's a very boring book. But it's it's the way it's written. It's the author's style of writing. It's just, like you said, there's a je ne sais quoi that, at least for us... It's tremendously captivating. Yeah. yeah. It's literally the life of a man who goes to university, becomes a professor, has a couple of relationship-related dramas in his life, and then he dies. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's part of what, to me makes the book so endearing it's just it's not this superhero amazing <laughs> you know smart successful hunk or something like that it's it's an honest man who's living an honest life who has a very simple life he's a simple person in in, in the sense of he doesn't aspire to great things necessarily he's happy content i mean he has obviously very very 
low points as well in his life, but it, it seems like a true, honest portrayal of just a man who gets a job, has a family, lives his life. But there's something about it that is just so compelling. Yeah, I think that before we spend, you know, like the next little while gushing about how amazing this book about a boring life is, we <laughs> I could ask you, like, is there anything you didn't like about it? No, I mean, like, there's a ton of praise at the beginning of the book that says, like, this book is perfect. And I honestly believe that. Like, I, I, I don't have any criticism. And maybe it's just because I'm not a literary critic. Like, I don't have that mind frame necessarily. What do you mean? We're reviewing a book live on the internet. You are literally a literary But I mean, like, that's, that wasn't my goal reading this book, is yeah. to review it afterwards or something. So I don't go into reading a book, like, having that mind frame necessarily. Um, but I don't have any complaints. Do you? I don't think so. Uh, I read it once or twice, and most recently listened to it. It has actually been one of the very few books that I have listened to, and... It was just as captivating. I've, I've had that problem with audiobooks and even in short stories where it's 20 minutes, 30 minutes for a short story. Mm -hmm. And I, my mind wanders, right? I just can't pay attention. Yeah. And I listened to this while playing a video game. I knew obviously everything that was coming, but like there is something so charming and so captivating about the voice of this book. And I don't know to what extent, I don't want to look up to what extent it is autobiographical. It has to be, well, I think that like it is the same university that John Williams uh, taught or studied at. I th I actually, I looked that up after I was done reading, and it's a different university. In the oh. book, it's University of Missouri, I think. And I can't remember his real university that he taught mm -hmm. at, but it's, it's not that. But I'm sure it's inspired by his mm -hmm. time there. Of course, because it's, it's an English professor at a university, which is exactly what he did, right? So it's yeah. not like he's... Yeah. He, does, he does say at the beginning that none of the characters are based on people that he's worked with. But, I mean, yeah, you can just say that, right? Yeah, exactly. He's totally just being like, no, no, don't don't get pissed at me. Don't don't come pointing fingers when you see yourself reflected of these shitty people. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> there's particularly Lomax, I guess. Like, oh, yeah. Whom that would be if somebody got, you know, really offended by a portrayal that they perceive to be about themselves or something like that. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, uh, a lot of the characters in this book are shitty people. Uh, Stoner has few friends. His family are very quiet. His extended family, they, they're they not remarkable people at all. No, like his, his family is not very affectionate outwardly to him. They're very quiet, stoic people. Like he is, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Like Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember that scene where he, he graduates from the agricultural program or I think he already switched to English. Yes. And he, he tells his parents after like much deliberation with himself, he kind of like, you know, wringing his hands, he comes and tells his dad like that. I'm actually not coming back to the farm. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stay here and be a prophet. And the dad just like it, the language is something in, in this is throughout the book, right? Like you just kind of, he sat there and he groaned and he, didn't seem bothered by this news or if he did it was only slightly yeah, like yeah that, that's you know? exactly the tone <laughs> of the book like those. and I, I think his parents in that scene like they say if that's what you need to do like they don't make him feel like so you can see that they do love their son like they yeah. don't make him feel guilty they don't no they're like vaguely surprised not really bothered by it no they're they... just kind of like well i think i could hire another kid to do it i don't think it should be a problem yeah if you think if this is what you need to do then you go ahead and do it like and no, they don't say no resentment it's... yeah like... and it's not in a sarcastic way or, no. like they legitimately say if this is what you want to do with your life then mm. we'll be fine don't worry about us so it like his family is is nice and supportive in their own way they're not huggy type of people and you know what i mean like so and like so many things in this book i wonder to what extent it is autobiographical or and or wants to be a representation of what john williams saw and the type of people that he grew up with or that he saw or that he imagined in this place and time but the, yeah they're 
there's a there's a spectrum like of characters. They all feel very real. I don't think there was anyone in this book that because it is a book about characters and their relationships, for the most part, I would say. Anything that broke my suspension of disbelief with it. Mm-hmm. Um that's what made it so good. Everything is so well rounded. I mean, in comparison to Butcher's Crossing, a couple of the characters in there are pretty out there, kind of, you know, like badass or more stereotypical, you know, like a slightly mm-hmm. more caricaturesque depiction of some someone. Mm-hmm. And here there's just none of that. That this book is just simply it, it feels like it is someone painting a picture of something that they're seeing happening in front of them. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a life almost perfectly told. Oh, it really is. Like, it feels so authentic. So his relationship with Edith, is that his wife's name? Because it's been a few weeks since... I'm pretty we- sure. Yeah. 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 That is very uncomfortable. And I... I My God, like, it, it is so... It speaks to me in a way of something that, like, a, a decision that you make in your life, and you make it brashly or you just jump into it and then you regret it for the rest of your life or you can't really change it this is obviously yeah so this is at a time where he 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 sees the two world wars so in terms of his relationship with his wife it's not like they could easily get divorced this is the time where like you know if you divorce your wife it was a tremendous shame from leaving a woman destitute because she couldn't possibly work Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. for the very early stages of like the more modern idea of what we perceive to be divorce or the modern idea of divorce had formed already. Yeah. And it's just really awkward. Like he, he literally meets her at this party, I guess you could say he's just, he finds her pretty beautiful. And then he asks, you know, can I call upon you? Can I call upon you? And literally only a few of these meetings where they talk and she barely talks like during these first few meetings she makes it very clear that she's not like ambivalent she's very detached yeah like at one point it sounds like she's like physically ill she's legitimately saying they're like shaking be like yeah so she's obviously not into it but he proposes to her she reluctantly accepts probably just because (laughs) it does the book says like she's she's been raised very formally very like traditionally you know she's been raised to to be taught that that is what you do. You just get married. That is your role. Yeah. So I guess the first man that comes along and... Calls upon you. Yeah, she she accepts. And it's just a very awkward relationship. He he genuinely loves her. Oh, yeah. from But from the outset, I mean, sure. He he genuinely loves her. And she, in her own way, you could say that she loves... But they fucking hate each other. Like, they I very don't... obviously... Like, she does things to him that are, like, straight up hateful. Oh, yeah, she, from her, like, the stuff that she does is just very, yeah, very hateful, very vindictive, very, like, she punishes him for, I guess, in her mind, trapping her in this life. Yeah, she blames him. Because she's, she, her family is is wealthy. Her dad is, I think, a banker or something, and, and Stoner, he's a professor, but back then, I guess, they, they weren't very well off, I guess. Yeah, she's a stuck, they are stuck in an unhappy marriage, and who yeah. else there is to blame? But, so, you know, at exactly. a time where it's not at all easy to go say, okay, well, our marriage project is a failure, so yeah. let's try to do something else. But later in life, like, she starts to slowly push him into a tiny box, mm-hmm. both in their relationship, but, like, in, in their house, literally. Mm-hmm. Like, she starts to move him slowly but surely, like, into his studio and like absolutely everything that he owns mm-hmm. in the world is in that tiny little studio in the back of the house and he lets the kids play there at one point and they trash his papers and the rest of the house belongs to her she's literally just yeah, like she entertaining t- she takes and, over exactly right so like it is it's just a way of just like completely pushing him aside and saying like okay like if we can't have if i can't have the life that i wanted to have then at the very least i'm just going to like completely minimize your presence and move you away yeah and the thing that bothered me the most sorry it's that sorry i was just gonna say like as much as you dislike her as a character because stoner he he loves her it's it was said multiple times that he he genuinely cared for her and he felt i guess 
he wanted to give her the best life possible. But as much as that is true, and as much as you dislike her for acting this way towards him, I guess if you think of it from her point of view, like she she has been raised and taught that this is all you can achieve in life, being a wife, a housewife. Mm-hmm. So she she feels trapped in that life that she doesn't want, that she's bo- she's bored, clearly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it must be hard for her as well. Yeah, for sure. But there's that scene where, like, he, I think he comes out and tells her, like, mm-hmm. the, what's going on, you know? Like, there's... Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly what it was. It was something maybe to do with a kid or to do with, like, I mean, she came mm-hmm. back from a trip with a different haircut or something. But where he kind of, like, regardless of what the subject of the conversation is, like, he tells her this is not working out or there's an issue is there what is the matter or whatever and she's like mm-hmm. oh willie what kind of crazy talk are you like what are you saying i don't know what you're talking about like this is just crazy talk and you know she gets up and walks away and their entire life is like that it's just like very mm-hmm. bad communication yeah like complete like horrible communication and just complete lack of communication in so many cases right yeah. so like he gets his fulfillment from elsewhere in life and then there's you you feel bad for him that yeah. he's trying he's really trying he's trying to give her a good life he's trying to show affection towards her he's he's trying to make her happy but to no avail so yeah. you know you you feel bad for him as well oh as- yeah like i mean i 100% feel just like horrible for this mm-hmm. character and like not i find it difficult to find sympathy for the wife after the things she does mm-hmm. you know like the relationship that he has with his daughter is all but completely severed because of the wife. Like every time that they, in specific with that particular moment where they're like laughing together and they're sharing some uh, reading that they're doing Mm -hmm. and she sits at her little desk by his desk and they're having a beautiful, sweet moment, sharing together a moment. And the mom walks in and be like, oh no, you can't be bothering your father. Like he has a lot of important work to do. Oh, yeah. She tries to sabotage and, I guess, successfully sabotages their relationship. She doesn't want them to be, to have a relationship. So Mm -hmm. she is, yeah, a very vindictive, sad woman, for sure. Yeah. I think that, like, one of the most poignant moments in the book is, and I found that it was very interesting when I listened to it just recently, that it was so short, right? Because in my memory, this relationship that he has, the most important relationship in his life, is very short-lived, right? Yeah. This relationship with Catherine, he meets her, not much happens, and slowly it bubbles up to him that he's, you know, madly in love with this woman and their relationship lasts. Very... It's reciprocal. Like she, oh, absolutely. Yeah. They're, they're madly in love together, but like in a very quiet and subdued way mm-hmm. like he just goes and visits her at her apartment and obviously that gets ruined as well yeah and that is i think the most poignant moment in this entire story is when you finally feel like things are going well for him you mm-hmm. finally feel like this man is receiving the love that he, he needs and wants and it gets severed mm-hmm. and destroyed yeah and lomax sense like he attacks stoner through Catherine. yes and it's just completely gut-wrenching oh yeah because they it's not even like someone it's not like they have a meeting and then the boss says you two have to cut off your relationship they come to that understanding between them that like this this just can't continue yeah that he's gonna ruin Catherine's career yeah and he kind of does i mean in a way like she is teaching she's a professor at the university and lomax threatens to I guess fire her. Or... Well, to, to ruin her reputation, right? Yeah. That's a, like that she is like a homewrecker, mm-hmm. and I think that word gets used once. And that is, I think, the point in the story where like you finally get the sense that it's not gonna have a happy ending, and it's going to be as it has been so far, just a series of mild to severe disappointments, mm-hmm. all of which he takes very stoically. Yeah. And very seriously, but always with a tinge of sadness. Yeah, like, I think there's, like, a really, really sad line in the book where it says he realized that there was nothing in his past that he cared to remember and nothing in his future that he 
was excited for. Yeah, something along those lines. And it's just so sad. Yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it really makes you feel for this guy who is just an honest, hardworking person. And just, he has, yeah, a series of disappointments in his life. Yeah. But he also has very happy moments, too. Mostly with Catherine, I think. And, and with his daughter when he's raising his daughter. Mm-hmm. Before his wife goes on her little trip, I think, and comes back really vindictive towards him. Something at the, at the beginning of his daughter's life, when, his, when Edith is just bedridden for days and weeks and months, mm-hmm. right? She doesn't come out of the room, essentially. Yeah. He raises the daughter. He does all the housework. And it says, like, this is the happiest he's felt yeah, I think. Yeah. So he has these really lovely moments too. Yeah, I think it's a it's a life of like it's a sad journey accentuated with these like moments of happiness. Like which it's very sad to say that I'm I'm sure lots of lives are like that. A lot yeah. of people I'm sure that like they they experience something very similar, right? Yeah. And, and I mean, yeah, like it's a very honest depiction, I think, of of maybe an average life. I don't know if that's the average experience, but it's Absolutely. It's an honest one. Shitty things happen to lots of people. And it just feels like here it is uh, so unwarranted, Mm -hmm. so undeserved. And he is, you feel it at your very core that he is, if not a boring man, he's a good man, right? Like he's a very good person and he does not want to harm anyone, least of all in the ways that, you know, uh, he sees done to him. And towards the end, there's, it's like the last thing is his daughter mm-hmm. in her life going in a bad way, just as his had in a way, right? That like yeah. she was poised to have a a good life ahead of her. Her mom is a nut job, but otherwise, you know, she gets pregnant and she has to deal with this. Her, her husband dies almost immediately as he comes into the equation and she is left as a single mom at a time when that could have not been fun. Yeah. And she develops a drinking problem. And that is the kind of the, the last punch mm-hmm. when simulta- at the same time stoner is aging and eventually he dies. Like this is, there is that moment where he figures out where Catherine landed and that she had written... She dedicated a, a book to him. Exactly. It was yeah. a book of poetry, I believe. Something like that. And and he sees the dedication to his initials. Mm-hmm. And it's like that last gut punch of, so like, this, what could have been? This life is not what it could have been. And, it, and he could have had so much happiness and joy. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, everything was destroyed and, and taken away from him by two different people, like you would think that they're working together against this guy. Mm -hmm. And when you put it all together, it sounds like it's a really sad fucking book. Yeah. And it's not, it's not a depressing, sad read at all. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's, it's not, like you said, it's not an action book. It's not an adventure. It's not fantasy. It has all the elements that make it a thrilling read. For some reason it, it's carried simply and purely, but so very effectively by, the beauty of its prose, its impeccable pace, mm-hmm. and the, the truth of the story of this man's life is just so simple and so real and so visceral, mm-hmm. and at the same time so gut-wrenching and quiet, but so tremendously captivating. It really is. Like, it's, you feel like you know Stoner. Like, he feels like a real person. Even though it doesn't say much, right? Like, yeah. it, it feels like he's that person that who's super quiet, but you've known them since they were a child, yeah. so you just know them. Yeah. And it's interesting, actually, at the beginning of the book, there's um, an introduction, um, and he, the person who wrote it, I don't know who he is, but he, he quotes uh, in a rare interview that the author gave, and the author said, like, people often tell me that Stoner had a sad life, a bad life. But that's not how the author sees it. And interestingly enough, he says that this character had lots of joy in his life. And he took pride in his work. And he actually says, like, one of the themes of the book, from the author's point of view, obviously, um, is just having a job and 
going to work and like doing your duty. And in Stoner's case, he's lucky enough to like the job that he does. To like, he likes the work that he does. Yeah, and he finds it completely serendipitously. It just yeah. happens to him that he takes yeah. an English course because he has to take an English course. Mm-hmm. And Sloan, mm-hmm. the, the prof, tells him like, "Don't you get it, Mister Stoner? You're going to be a teacher. You're going to be a professor." Mm-hmm. And Stoner is like, "Oh, what?" <laughs> and it's so it kind of falls on his lap it's it's just yeah. like his life happens to him more mm-hmm. so than him being an active an active agent of his own life yeah and he's lucky he's one of the lucky few people who who is passionate about his work and he loves it there's definitely that component absolutely yeah. i think that like yeah when we contrast the way that we've been talking about like his relationships and the horrible things that happen in his uh interpersonal relationships it is contrasted i think because, yeah, I, I do agree 100% with the, the notion that, like, he has a lot of joy in his life. Like, those moments, they shine so bright through the rest of the monotony and the outright sad and evil portions of his life. But they are so real, mm-hmm. just as everything else is. And I guess in contrast with, like, I think it's, what, it's one of those things that I don't really relate to, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I love my job. I can find a lot of fulfillment and fun and both in my work and my interpersonal relationships at work. But it's not one of those things where I'm like, I live to work. No, like I same with me. I'm not passionate about my work. I do it because you have to. And I like it. Like I'm not sad going to work every day. No. But unlike Stoner, I don't feel like it's my life's purpose necessarily. Yeah, like the dude would be working at times when it's just, I mean, I guess that, that is not the sort of job that like you or I are familiar with. Mm-hmm. Like we clock in and clock out and... That's all that's expected of us. Yeah, we don't worry about it afterwards. Mm-hmm. But um, as a university professor, of course, he has like a different, completely different variety of responsibilities. Mm-hmm. But he is absolutely passionate about it. And oh, yeah. He, like he goes from being uh, a kid in a farm to a just abysmal depth of knowledge on English language and literature history. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have an, an English degree and I'm like everything that they say, I'm like, Oh my God, this is, <laughs> this is the, the quantum physics of English literature. Oh man. And that's one of my favorite <laughs> scenes in the book is when, um, is it Charles? Oh, they're grilling the guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Charles Walker or Charlie or... That, Ch- no, Charles Walker sounds right. Yeah. He's a PhD student and they have a panel of professors that are essentially, I think, just determining whether or not he has the knowledge to continue in his PhD program, I believe. Yeah, I think he's defending his thesis. But I don't, no, I don't think it's the thesis yet. I think it's okay. like a certain point in the process where they have to say, okay should you continue or not? Do you have what it takes, essentially? And I just love that scene where Stoner grills him on his knowledge of... I think it's mostly medieval. Is it mostly medieval literature? Yeah, I mean, it it is, you know, very old English literature. But I think he just asks him a question about just general knowledge of English literature in general that, that someone at his level should, I guess, know. Yeah, and the guy fumbles, and he's like, "Oh, he tries to like excuse himself." I'm like, yeah. No, I'm so, I actually no, I didn't read that one. I, I must have skipped that mm-hmm. day of school or something stupid like that. But it, that scene was just like an action scene. It felt like yeah. it was just so enthralling to well, me. Well, yeah, that that whole that scene and the the ensuing war between Stoner and Lomax, uh, like he is fighting Lomax through that kid. Right, like he is, and in a way that's kind of what, in a, in a far more cowardly and personal way, is what Lomax does to Stoner in return afterwards. Yeah, right. Because Stoner is is somewhat vindictively and a tiny bit childishly, um, or pedantically doing this to the, to Walker, but he still believes it. Right, he he's mm-hmm. like he interrupts him. He's rude. And pretty much like the only scene in the book where like you see him be like aggressive. Aggressive and rude. Yeah. Right. But he believes it, right? He says this is you something that this. you should know this. And I'm I'm asking you questions that it kind of makes me think of like that scene in Breaking Bad where Jesse goes to Mexico and the chemist in Mexico 
kind of laugh, laughs at him and says, like, what do you mean? Where's the phenylacetic acid? Like any second year chemistry student should be able to do this. And Jesse's mm-hmm. like, whatever, bitch. You know? Yeah, yeah. But, but it's so true, right? It's like, this is knowledge that you should have. You're a PhD student, forgets. And Lomax is, he has kind of taken a shining to the student and, and he's really pushing for this PhD student who's, the way the story tells it, he is kind of evidently not ready for it. And he yeah. is sort of like skirting by in terms of his work and his grades and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But it is very much to me like the important part of that all is that like it is the f- it's the kindling to the fire that is the fight between Lomax and Stoner and the hatred they develop for each other. Yeah, like that relationship between Lomax and um, Stoner is really interesting throughout the whole book because they still remain civil. They're like so superficially. Yeah, superficially, but I guess they're they're professionals, you know, they're they're professors, right? So I mean, Lomax tries to fuck him so so aggressively. Though. He does. Like, there's no doubt about it. But my point is that it's like it's it's very not out in the open they try and i guess keep it between themselves as much as they can so yeah it's cool to see that develop through the book it's so funny like we can just sit there and dissect different scenes Mm -hmm. more importantly the the relationships between these characters because again that's what i think this story is first and foremost it is the story of the life of this man but it's largely about those relationships and then it is just kind of funny to think like yeah there's just i don't want to say there's very little plot because it's an entire man's life yeah there's a lot that happens yeah with all the relationships that go through it it's just it's so unconventional the way that you think like there is a drama and suspense and a MacGuffin. there's a propelling force to the story that is making these characters do things but in reality it's it's so not it i think it's like one of those like proto slice of life things Mm -hmm. that have become kind of like a niche genre in themselves and they're just kind of it's kind of like a lot of like uh haruki murakami does a lot of yeah like where it's i mean he goes completely off the deep end (laughs) yeah the crazy shit but like a lot of the stories very much are just like and he was going to school and he was having rice bowls for lunch and he was shaving and then yeah. he was uh, eating some scrambled eggs. and But it's just told in a beautiful way that is captivating. Where like where you think, like, okay, like I'm going to tell you the ins and outs of the life of a person as they get up and they go to work and they love their work and they hate their wife and they have these issues. Mm-hmm. But it's so difficult to to say why it's so captivating. No, you, you just have to read it and it has to connect with you. And there are some people, like I've, I've read online, some people don't understand why this book is so popular. They oh, think, I can totally see that. Yeah, they think it's boring. And that's okay. I mean, it just didn't connect with you, I guess. But yeah. it connects to a lot of people. And a lot of people find this book just incredible. Yeah, that, that, that's I, I think I have two thoughts about that. I think it's one of the fears I have when a lot of, my God, I've tried so many books that like people are like, this is amazing. And I try it and it's Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like I heard Children of Time mentioned, I don't know how many times, and I didn't know what to think about it. I wasn't particularly excited to read it. I was just another book I was giving a shot. And it's one of my favorite books of all time. It was just like, it hit me like a goddamn train. Yeah. Uh, the Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson. I start, I, I was kind of like super nervous to read that at, at first because I started reading it. I was like, oh my God, this is not immediately amazing. Uh-huh. And everybody loves it and it's amazing and there's like these there are these huge super long famously well-received books that everybody has read and they love them and he has like a million fans and it's amazing so i'm kind of like terrified of going into something that like everybody thinks this is amazing so try it i didn't really have that experience with it but like with stoner i mean Mm -hmm. but thinking about it in retrospect it could have been because it was so well received. Like it's not like I mean, if I grab a book and I look at the re- uh, the and I look at the reviews in the first couple of pages, it's yeah, they're just trying to sell me a book. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So Tom Hanks liked it, Big Whoop. Yeah. But it could very well be like I can totally see why someone 
or I mean, that that is just the fact that they didn't like it. They were not meant to like it. It wasn't going to work for them either way. Yeah. But then they give it a shot and they're like, well, it's just the story of a guy. Yeah. And he goes to school and nothing happens. And he, he finds a woman, marries her, has a kid and nothing really happens. They have a shitty relationship. And then he has a couple of other things that happen in his life and then he dies. Yeah. And that's it. So it's kind of like if the, my point is that if the my second thought is that if the prose doesn't connect with you, if the pacing of the story doesn't grip you and carry you, but the sheer weight of the beauty of the language and the pacing how well it propels the story. Like I, I've never been so in love with the pacing in any book I've ever read. Yeah. Like, as in, in this book, it's just the strength of it, it. It just speaks for itself because it carries a book that is so mundane. The story is so pedestrian and mundane. Yeah. Like, like we said, if someone asked you to summarize this, they would be like, okay, what's the big deal? But you read it, at least for us and many other people, you read it and you're just so engrossed you're so addicted to the story and you just want to keep reading and reading and it, it, it's so difficult to pitch in that way i guess other than mm-hmm. like it's beautiful you're going to love this yeah but otherwise they're like yeah it's i'm so addicted to this but why because nothing's really happening mm-hmm. i mean to give bad examples like there's no explosions there's no fireworks right yeah there's, there's no so big f- action scene there's no mystery to solve yeah there's, there's very like little to justify the suspense that you do feel uh-huh. Because there is, you know, a an intrigue and a desire for this character to do well and to succeed and to find happiness. And that's why I think, like, m- for me, my favorite part of the story is when, like, he meets Catherine and there's that shining bright light in this otherwise drab and beige life that mm-hmm. he's had. Mm-hmm. And it's so intense, but also quiet and subdued, but so beautiful and powerful. And then it gets destroyed. I'm so fucking pissed. I know. know. You just hate Lomax for that. Yeah. So that's that's kind of like the point where I'm like, okay, I'm going to throw this book out the window, but I won't because I love it and I want to finish it. But yeah. God damn it, man. I know. Why can't this guy just have happiness for the rest of his life? It's totally one of those instances. Yeah. It's totally one of those instances where people say like, yeah, this guy kills his characters. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a George Martin sort of thing. Oh, yeah. It's like he just he kills all of his characters. Like here he's just like totally killing him emotionally. Yeah. But at the end, like not to jump to the final, final bit of the book, but the end of the book is he's on his deathbed in his house mm-hmm. and he's literally dying and he dies. But at least to me, like it was a very, like he seemed happy and content and just at peace with the way his life went. Like, it, it's, yeah. it has a very hopeful tone to me. Like, he's looking out yeah. in his backyard. He's, I think, finally noticing for the first time the beauty of the trees in the backyard. And just, he 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 accepts his life and he's at peace with it and he's content and happy. Kind of like he's done the entire time, though, right? Like, it is totally in, in line and in tone with the rest of his life and the rest mm-hmm. of the book where, it, yeah, he things happen to him. And he accepts it. He doesn't fight it. And he, though, would be very justified in experiencing tremendous sadness. Mm -hmm. He doesn't. He just kind of, like, accepts it and lives through it. And though he may convey some sadness here and there, it's not about a man being depressed because life is beating him down. No. As you say, it's kind of the opposite. It's like seeing the hope in all of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So but, it's it's a really nice ending yeah. to his life. Because... But it's not saccharine. Though. Like I don't. Like, no. I, I want to make sure that. Like, oh no. I, I get that idea across that it's it's really not like it's I didn't feel that. It's not cheesy or anything. All, but, like, yeah, yeah. It's not saying like I, I feel like I just kind of undermine my own argument there. Like saying <laughs> it is like it's about hope. It's so hopeful. No. Like it's not. It really is like. It's very real. understated. Yeah. It it, it yeah. feels like absolutely serious and earnest and stoic and whatever adjectives mm-hmm. you can find through a thesaurus to convey those ideas. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. a real life and a real adult because he is, you know, elderly by the the point at which he dies and he takes it like an adult, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just so real. That is, I think, the highest praise that I can give to this book is that it feels real. Mm-hmm. Which is not a difficult thing to do. I've tried to write a bunch of different stories. I've written a bunch of different stories throughout my life. And it's if you're actively trying to make something seem, you know, like a realistic slice of life thing, 
I I haven't tried actively to do that, you know, like I'm usually like in, in a different spectrum of like trying to convey a story. It's just I can totally see how that would be homework or yeah. it, it, it would require a fairly high degree of either like extreme scale or not even realizing that you're doing it. Yeah. You know, the author is just incredible. Like he he creates a story that feels authentic it's not cheesy it's not lame it's not like torture porn or whatever they call it like Mm -hmm. other books where just the characters just have bad thing after bad thing and it's unrealistic like for the sake of it yeah it's it's balanced with sad dark moments in his life but he has lots of joy and happiness as well it's it's a full spectrum of what someone goes through in life and it feels real it feels honest it just you you care about this character so much mm-hmm. and you you identify with him, I guess. At least I did. To a certain extent. I mean, we're very different people, of course, him and I. Mm-hmm. But you you put yourself in that position and I don't know, it just feels so tangible. I think, yeah, like I said, I, the highest praise I could give it is that it feels tangible. It feels mm-hmm. real. Highest fucking praise. Absolutely. Oh yeah. It's definitely like one of the best books I've read, which is crazy. Oh, yeah. It's definitely one of my favorite books. Yeah. Like, like it, top three. Exactly. And, like, we've gifted this book to other people. Like, we've seen mm-hmm. thousands of people mention the same thing, right? Like, it is. And back to Hanks' comment, I think that it, it, it so succinctly and simply conveys it so well. It says it's a, just the life. It's just the story of this man. But it's the most beautiful thing you will read. Yeah, really. And if you read the first few pages of the book and all the praise, like I think it has the most powerful praise I've ever read for a book. There's just like a ton of, I guess, other famous authors, um, reputable newspapers, journals, just saying how good this book is. I don't think I read it, actually. Yeah. I looked through it. Yeah, find some and, and like maybe you can read some, but... It's just, it really perfectly captures what is so special about this book. But all this to say is that this book is widely loved. And it wasn't popular when it was first published. It's only, I think, the early 2000s where I think it got republished. Oh, God. Re-released or whatever. And it, I hate it when that happens. I know, but it, and it gained so much popularity and so many people love this book. I mean, it's just... We can just sit here and gush for an hour. It mm-hmm. literally is. Yeah, it's just something that like if you because if you've listened so far, my assumption is that you've read this or that you're you interested know, in reading it, or you're just avoiding homework, yeah. um, which is probably not the best podcast to listen to. That's the case. It's usually not our podcast would probably not be the best for someone who's trying to like not read the book mm-hmm. and write an essay about it for school or something. Uh it's something that, like, if you give it a shot, it might be one of the most rewarding novels you read about something so mundane, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The promise is so... The promise of the book. The praise really kicks it up. And I think something uh, like that, it's it's normal, right? That, like, something is good, people love it, they talk it up. Perfectly normal. But, like, the promise of the book is so quiet and understated. It's just a man's life. You know, like, mm-hmm. as opposed to explosions, lasers, and romance, and fast cars, and whatever. Yeah. Well, we really showed the action. Going <laughs> this no, I mean, those those have their merits, and those are exciting. <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's easy to compare, or compare and contrast the two, right? To yeah. say, like, it is, there is such a, a quiet and understated promise to this that doesn't involve any of the other things that would stereotypically make a story attractive or Engaging. exciting exactly. yeah yeah and there's gonna be a movie oh yeah that's yeah. right with um what's his face it's, it's uh, casey affleck right casey affleck. which i can't picture right off the bat him I as stoner i just i love that dude so i can totally see that being awesome yeah he's i mean he's a great it. actor so i'm sure he'll do a good job but i really hope they do it justice. I mean, even if it's a bad movie, it's not going to take away from the book. But I just, I really hope it's an excellent movie. Yeah. I mean, I, I can think of like a few books that are uh, of this flavor that have been adapted that, that just don't really work. It doesn't translate 
the essence of the book. Exactly. Like you, you could go through it beat by beat and you can have an amazing performance from the cast. And in this case, the, the, the leading title character, but it's just something so well adapted to be read a story to, well, I actually listened to it and I loved it. Mm-hmm. Because uh, yeah, the author's writing style is just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is. Yeah. Like, again, I, I do think that like, the proof is really in in the in the pacing of this book, yeah. right? Like it just doesn't stop; it's unrelenting. Yeah, like, yeah I, can't, I, I don't know how many times I can say that. It really is like a contrast of something that is so mundane, and it just it, it comes across so beautifully told and so powerfully told, and so engaging and exciting. Mm-hmm. Which it is just it seems contradictory, but that's just what it is. Yeah. So. Can you tell we like the book? <laughs> yeah, I'd say. Yeah. No, that's easily yeah, like ten out of ten. Oh There's yeah. Absolutely no. I have no no criticisms. I mean, it's just to me, it's a perfect book. Yeah. Yeah. So hope you read it. Hope you love it as much as we do. <laughs> You're so cute. We always do that. Be like, no, you fucking read this already. You have. Mm. Um, maybe we should like, we could do like a little bit of a what else have you read lately would you like to do that yeah sure so yeah uh, read that a few years ago uh, listened to it recently and loved it mm-hmm. again I've only re- I've only really listened to two or three books I mostly do that while I'm playing video games mm-hmm. uh, I can't even do the same thing that I do with podcasts where I can do it while I'm cleaning up or working out or working on a model or something like that I just I can't pay attention right? yeah but yeah, like recently I was reading The Forever War and I was like 60% or something through the book and I figured, okay, maybe I can work on something with my hands and listen to it. And I listened to 30 seconds. It's like, no, I'm not paying attention. It's mm-hmm. just not gripping me. Whereas this, I listened to it while playing a video game and I had, you know, like the audiobook coming in one ear, the feed from the video game, it doesn't have much. It doesn't have much dialogue, this video game. That kind of goes without saying, of course. But I just sucked it in. I just loved it, and it came all right in, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. What other books have you read recently that I haven't read? Uh, well, one book that I read recently that I really liked um, was Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow um, by Gabrielle Zevin. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And it's a... Very hyped up book, like very popular right now. And I really liked it. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's about um, two friends. Well, I guess they could become three friends and they um, develop a video game and they multiple video games. They have a video game development company and it's just about their story. And, you know, and I really liked it. I thought it was great. Um, but it's a very hyped up book. Some people didn't enjoy it. Like, I remember reading online, some people are like, this is the worst thing I've ever read. And, like, they don't believe the characters. And that's fine. I mean... That'll happen with everyone. Oh, yeah. Like, there's never going to be a book that everyone likes. But I enjoyed it a lot. It's It was pretty hefty, and I just went through it pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And it's also becoming a movie, so I'm excited for that. And um, today I just finished The Overnight Guest. It's like a mystery thriller book. And that one was okay. Um, not the best thing I've ever read. Um, I finished it. I wanted to find out what happened in the mystery. So it was exciting in that sense. But very forgettable book, in my opinion. So I'm excited to read something really good next. And um, I'm going to start Night by Ellie? Eli? Probably Eli. Eli. Ellie? I think it's Weasel. <laughs> I hope I'm saying I that. I think it's Weasel. But Weasel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we're going to do that for the podcast as well. Yeah. Uh, so I, I've read that before. Mm-hmm. It is obviously tremendously gut-wrenching at us. It would be yeah. the story of a, a child, a child going through the Holocaust and surviving it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I... I'm excited for it. <clears throat> yeah, good. I'm actually going to listen to that one, uh, I think. Nice. Um, yeah, so that's next up on my list. Yeah. And do you think you'll read the The Way of Kings? Like oh, eventually, yes, yeah, I do okay. want to. But it, as you know, it's huge, so it's a pretty big time commitment. So there's a few other books I want to read first before I tackle that. Mm-hmm. 
um, I want to read Trees, the one that you got me. Oh, we should do that. Then. Yeah. yeah. And I've, I've watched a video recently and the person really liked that book as well. So I'm pumped to read it. Yeah. Oh, I mean, all the books that I got you for Christmas. I mean, every, every book oh, I've yes. ever got They're you. always but, yeah. very acclaimed. Yeah. All the ones I got you recently, they were all uh, either the short list or the long list for the Man Booker Prize. Nice. I believe. Yeah. So I'm excited to read all of those. Yeah, those are you. Usually a pretty safe bet. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I asked if you're going to read that because I'm reading. I'm reading The Way of Kings right mm-hmm. now. I started it after a little bit of... Uh, I think... I, I really think that is the case where like something is so tremendously hyped that I am just nervous to not have it explode in my face from page one. And it didn't. At first, I was like, okay, this is just another book. It's another fantasy book. Okay, it's fine. By... The author Sanderson's like own admittance that own admission, fuck me. By the author's own admission, it is a book with a very steep learning curve. There is a lot to the world. Uh, it's very well done so far. I, I've read a I don't know like say five percent. Um, because yeah, it's pretty it's long. Big. I just started it, but like yeah, it is the 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 world building is woven very well into the narrative. Like neither of them feel like they're either being pushed or left behind in comparison to the other. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it wasn't fireworks right away when I started reading it. And I was like, a bit, mm. yeah. I think yeah, I, I read like the first chapter and I said, okay, I'm just going to try something else. This isn't, this isn't working for me right now. But yeah, I started it again. Uh, loving it so far. I'm only a, a little bit in, but like, yeah, love to talk that one out with you great well like a five-hour podcast i'm gonna read it eventually so stay tuned for that discussion and before that i just read the forever war by joe haldeman it's a classic military sci-fi i'd had it i think i found it for like 25 cents at a thrift shop yeah ka-ching yeah it was good i liked it it definitely showed his age uh in some ways in others, it was fairly prescient. It's a book from 74, uh-huh. but it depicts a, a, a time span of, you know, like hundreds of years into the future. And through time dilation, this man goes from the 70s. I think he's in the 90s when he gets conscripted. Yeah. And by the end of the year, it's like the year 3000. Sorry, uh-huh. by the end of the book. Uh-huh. So, it, yeah, it, it depicts the change in the world as he comes back or as he learns of the the way that the the planet and the world and humanity has changed in that time in all aspects really well and interestingly except i guess a bit for the the aspect of sex which is like a tiny bit cringy you can totally see that the guy has like um not ill intentions and he doesn't have a, a bad view of the sexual orientations that are in his own and what might at the time have been, you know, like called sexual deviance or something, mm-hmm. but which obviously isn't, you know, it's just a product of its time, but it does come across a little dated. Yeah. Uh, it didn't detract from the book. It was just, you know, like a little chuckle, like mm-hmm. every so often when it would come up. But uh, yeah, otherwise it was a, it was a fine read. I'd, I'd probably call that a 7.5 out of 10. It's pretty good. Yeah. Nice. All righty. Well, that's what we've been up to. That's absolutely yeah. uh, what we've been up to. <laughs> Stoner, John Williams, mm. 10 out of 10. Very, very good. Mm-hmm.